Well, good to be with you all this morning. Greetings to you. I thank Pastor John and Pastor Chris for the opportunity to minister the word to you today. And, uh, woo, I tell you, God's in this place, somebody. He, he, he's not in this place because you have a, a, a feeling or a tingle or something on the third rib on the right side. No, he's here. First of all, you know he's here because he came in with you. Because you are his temple. And what we got today is a gathering of the temples in the temple. Hallelujah. And there's just something special about when the community of believers gathers together in one accord, in one place. Ooh, good stuff happens. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and break some bread here today. And I want to uh, minister something to you today that, that I, I believe is a, a priority of the Lord's heart. And it's interesting that uh, as a I was looking at the calendar and I thought, oh my, of all days that I'm doing this, I'm doing this on the Sunday prior to a significant moment in Faith Christian Center's history. And uh, so I said, Lord, I, I always want to have it right, but if I ever had it be right before, I definitely want to have it right now. You know what I mean? Because there's a pivotal moments in time. And... Uh, uh, moments of uh, transition, moments that are few, where, where you have a leadership transition in this house is obviously not something you have every week. They're, they're few and they're far between. But uh, I, as I was uh, just wanting to seek the Lord for today, I believe that the, the word that uh, he wanted to put out to us was the importance of maintaining a pure heart before God maintaining a pure heart before God. Do you trust him? Do you really trust him? Do you trust him enough to lay on the table, let him do open heart surgery? Hey. Do you trust him enough to say, all right, you want something, you can have it. You want something out, it can go out. Because we need to get to the point with him where we trust him that much. Where we're not trying to go ahead and be the, uh, uh, you know, the, the backseat driver or the passenger seat driver. Uh, here's the thing. D- Jesus is only going to go ahead and use your steering wheel if you willingly give it to him. He will not come in by force and take it from you. But if you willingly, willingly submit yourselves, and surrender yourselves to him, then he can do the stuff that he wants to do. He can do the stuff that he only can do. And the end result of the process is you and me being a whole lot better off than we were before. Come on now. But maintaining a pure heart before God, first of all, I want you to realize that this idea of purity, what, what's it mean? Uh, the, the, the scriptural uh, 
definition of the word carries the connotation of pure, obviously, but clear. Isn't it nice to be clear when, when there's nothing fuzzy and nothing foggy about something? It's just clear. It's laid out there so that there's no ambiguity or ambiguity or whatever that word is. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's nothing fuzzy and foggy about it. It's all clear for everybody to see. Sincere is another word that, that describes this. And having a sincere heart before God, I mean, if, if you don't have that, you ain't got the first base yet. And the idea of being clean before God, and it even uses the word empty. Empty meaning that uh, anything else that could possibly occupy that space has been moved out the way so that God can occupy all the space. Oh, yeah. So that means that any uh, old ideas might have been moved out the way. Of course, I, I refer to this often, but it's just so, so real to me. My, uh, my wife talks about when she first got saved and how there was a way of thinking that she had had and had always had and then got saved and assumed she still had the same thinking until God talked to her one day and said, you don't think that way anymore. And it was about one of the hot button subjects of the day. It's still a hot button subject of today. But she assumed that she was just thinking the same thing. But because Jesus was Lord and, and she was allowing him to be Lord, Jesus had some say so over that. said, no, that ain't the way you think about that anymore. And isn't that a beautiful thing that we can be in a position to empty out the space so that God can fill the space? So that when you stand here as the temple of the Holy Spirit, you can be wall to wall him. Not, not, not having a, a little bit of him, a little bit of Bible thinking, a little bit of, uh, of old uh, uh, street thinking or, or uh, secular thinking or, or university thinking. And of course, uh, look out for that because you can be all so open-minded your brains fall out. So uh, there, there's something that's so important about us being cleared out so be, we can be wall-to-wall Jesus. Come on. Now, the, what the Bible refers to as the heart, first of all, we, I mean, we recognize the heart is the center of a thing. But uh, as you can check out, and, and of course there's multiple things you can check out. I just happened to take a look at a, uh, uh, the lexicon in uh, Strong's Concordance, and it talks about Feelings, will, and intellect. And it's interesting how uh, you, your heart is, uh, is, is really referring to your, your spirit and your soul, that center part of you, the inside part of you. You got the outside part, but then you got the inside part. And the heart is referring to the inside part of you. And that's very, very important to God. Can I hear an Amen. I've often said, and uh, I don't know if I'm the first person that said this, but, but uh, I'm the first that I know of, that if, if what you have is external, but it's not internal, then it's not eternal. That if what you have with God is external only, but it's not internal, then it's not eternal. See, this is why Jesus rebuked 
the religious leaders of his day. Jesus rebuked them because they were all caught up in external things. And they were external only without the internal. They had the show that everything was good on the inside. But that's all it was, was a show. It was plastic. It wasn't a real diamond. It was cubic zirconia. Come on. <laughs> but it's God's will for you to have things right in your heart. And that when things are right out here, that what you're seeing is a reflection of what's in the heart. Rather than something that's plastic and made up so it can look good on the outside without that internal work having been done on the inside. Well, well, well. It's a, the, the, the subject of your heart and how important your heart is is no, is no unimportant thing to God. As a matter of fact, uh, at least in the King James Bible, the word heart shows up about 820 plus times. 820 plus, over 820. So it's not some kind of isolated thing in Scripture. What what is uh, talked about a whole lot in Scripture is your heart and the importance of your heart. You know, the, the Bible even talks about things that you say in your heart, even uses the term sometimes do not say in your heart. You see, you can say something in your heart and think nobody's listening, but the Lord always hears what you're saying in your heart. Come on now. And so this is just such an important thing. And uh, the scripture I'm going to start with today is out of Psalm 78. Start with verse 5, we'll read. For he established the testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful. To God. Something about that line, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not, made, faith, was not faithful to God. The idea of setting your heart aright, uh, this word that's, that's used for, for set, it, it, it's translated several different ways in, in Scripture. Uh, it, it talks about your heart being established. In some cases, at least in the old King James English, it uses the word fixed. Fixed meaning it's settled. It's, it's done. It's, it's rock solid. It ain't going anywhere. I'm talk, not talking about fixed like you're fixing to do something, which means you eventually possibly get around to it. Now, I'm not talking about that kind of fixed or that kind of fixing. I'm talking about something that is firm, established, and settled. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, that, that word, is, it's also, in some points, translated prepare. Meaning that the scripture would talk about the preparation 
of the heart. That, that you would prepare your heart for things that God wants to do in you. That you would prepare your heart for things that God wants to do through you. And the idea of preparation is not something you do in the moment. It's something you do in advance. Oh, yeah. Not during the temptation, but before the temptation. So that means that you had, would have already fixed and settled in your heart what you will do in the hour of temptation before the hour of temptation comes. So that when the hour of temptation, temptation comes, that is already fixed, already settled, already established. I have already determined what I'm going to do at this moment. I'm going to go ahead and obey the Lord. You see, you, you don't wait for late on Saturday night when you get that call from, from your old flame who says, I'm feeling lonely tonight. That's not the moment to fix your heart. As a matter of fact, if you go with that, your heart may very well need some fixing. Your broken heart may need some fixing. And your stupid head may need some fixing. Come on. But it's not something you do in the moment. This is something you do in advance. Not during temptation, but before temptation. And if God wants to get across something to us today, this is one of the things he wants to get across. Are you ready? If you don't prepare, you're going to have to repair. If you don't prepare, you're going to have to repair. But if you use wisdom that God has given to you and that God is not chintzy with, he's not holding it back from you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says regarding how God gives wisdom that he gives it liberally, which means he's generous with it. He's not cheap with his wisdom. He'll give it to you as much as you're hungry for it. But if you're hungry for wisdom and you receive wisdom, then rather than getting into a fix that you need to repair, your heart would have already been fixed so you don't need to fix something after the fact. Thank the Lord. You know, your heart is the start. If a little rhyme helps you out, let that help you out. Your heart is the start. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The Message Bible of that says, Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Someone say that with me. That's where life starts. Say it again. That's where life starts. The NIV of this verse says, Above all else, guard your heart, 
for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. So first of all, realize that your heart is the start and that if you want a happy ending, you need to have the right kind of start to have the happy ending. If you want the, the, the direction to be right, then the start, the, the, the starting line has to be right. You know, it's often been used as an example if, uh, if the coordinates, uh, the, 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 the flight coordinates or, or whatever you, term you would use for, for a plane, if they're off in Boston and he's heading to L.A., but they're off just a little bit, it may not make that much of a difference if you're going from Boston to Providence. But if you're going from Boston to L.A. and you're off that little bit and then you keep on going and you keep on going and you keep on going. And then you're going to wonder, why, why am I in Mexico City? <laughs> but the reason why is you're off a little bit in the beginning. The more you go, the more you go, the more you travel, the more you go, the further you get off. So that's why in the very early stages... When you have the heart right from the start of something, then as you go, you keep on going in that same path, in that same line of travel that God has ordained for you, and you don't get off to the left, and you don't get off to the right, you stay on the road. Amen. Amen. You want to go higher with God? Individually? As a church? You want to go higher with God? Well, let's find out what the Bible says about going higher with God. Psalm 24. Psalm 24. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Ascend, that's going up, right? See, descend is going down. Ascend, that's going up. So if you want to go up with God, if you want to ascend with God, If you want to ascend into the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place, verse 4. Who's going to do this? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So you want to go up with God? This is the way to go up with God. Personally, and as a corporate body of believers, to go up by having clean hands and a pure heart. You know that having a pure heart can maximize your fruitfulness, your spiritual fruitfulness in life. You know, Jesus, as uh, Luke recorded the parable of the sower, uh, and was what is explaining what the parable meant, when he got down to the good ground, he said that the seed that was sown on good ground, that's those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart. And then they keep it and they bear fruit with patience. So even your heart can affect the way you hear the word and therefore can have an effect on the amount of fruit and fruitfulness you have in your life. Because you see, the problem is not with the seed because the seed's the word. 
you know, and I mean, that's a parable. If you, if you read that parable every day, you'd get benefit out of it every day because this is life. This is just everyday life. I mean, everything you can imagine has something to do with sowing and reaping and whether the word is being fruitful in your life in a certain area or not. But the thing is, when you hear the word, how you hear the word, hearing the word with a good and a noble heart actually can maximize fruitfulness in your life. Let me tell you another thing about the heart. Do you know your heart is adjustable? It's adjustable. You know you can ride on it? Write, not ride. You can write on it. Praise the Lord. Want to communicate clearly in the house of the Lord today. (laughs) And you can program it a certain way. You can program it a certain way. You know, in Acts 8, there was this uh, guy who, uh, they called him Simon the Sorcerer. And... He, he saw the, the apostles laying our hands on people so that they would receive the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he looked at that and said, well, I'd like to do that too. Pulled out his wallet and said, how much money can I give you guys so I can do that too? And he got harshly rebuked. As a matter of fact, Peter said to him, among other things, that your heart is not right in the sight of God. But then he immediately, after saying that, gave him the cure for it. He said two words. Repent, therefore. He said, your heart's not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore. Now, the word repent in its simplest form, and I've taught this to to the kids in uh, uh, Seacon Christian Academy in our Bible class, but it's just real simple. Uh, repent means do U-turn. You go going north, you turn around, you go south. You go west, you turn around, you go east. Repent is doing a U-turn. Peter told this guy, your heart's not right with God, do U-turn. Turn around, go the other direction. What would happen if he did that? Then rather than having a heart that's not right, he'd have a heart That is right. That's not hard to get, is it? As a matter of fact, have you ever had a situation where where you knew what the right thing was to do, but you didn't want to do it? I'm not going to look. But I will tell you, I've been there. And you know what I've said to the Lord? And I meant this with everything I had. And he knows I've meant it when I said it to him. I said, Lord, I don't want to. But I want to want to. In other words, Lord, I don't want to right now. But I want to get to the point where I want to. So help me get to that point where I want to. Because I'm yielding to you my want to. How important is willingness? Very important. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 1, said if you are willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. And then he talked about what happened if you refuse and rebel. And I don't want that. I'd rather eat the good of the land 
But that comes by being willing and obedient. So even if you don't want to, you can say, Lord, I want to, want to. You know, it's a great thing, and you see it in the Word, that God can actually work on your will. He can work on your want to. The Scripture says in Philippians uh, uh, chapter 2, I believe, that uh, it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. That means he works on your will. He works on your will. And as a result of getting the will in the right place, then the do is in the right place. When the will's in the right place, then the do's in the right place, then the the results are good. Amen. Thank God. Now, uh, along this line of the heart being adjustable, think about what uh, uh, was written uh, by Solomon in Proverbs 3, where it says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. If truth is not yet downloaded in your tablet, it can be. Now, I know everybody uh, out there, maybe not everybody, but a lot of you might have seen that funny little thing on Facebook. Moses went up into the cloud to download something into his tablet, you know. But in this case here, your heart is the tablet. The scripture is talking about writing something. Put that verse up again. Writing mercy and truth on the tablet of your heart. Now, this is so important. Why? Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But the good news, if you just read that, you might get scared and say, oh boy, I know what I've been saying. I've been saying some stuff. So that's telling me some ugly stuff about my heart. But your heart is adjustable. Because the same mouth that's telling on you, so to speak, the same mouth that is letting others around you, letting you know, Letting anybody within the sound of your voice know what's in your heart's in abundance. That same tongue can be used not just to make a withdrawal, but that same tongue that's making the withdrawal can also be used to make a deposit. Which means if you don't like what's in your heart in abundance, and you don't like what's coming out of your mouth, therefore... You can use your mouth and intentionally speak things to go into your ears and into your heart to change what's in your heart in abundance. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, I've taught this uh, recently on Wednesday night, the idea that you can... Speak the word intentionally to deposit it in your heart. 
And that when you do that, when you speak the word intentionally on purpose to deposit the word into your heart, then you end up speaking the word instinctively to withdraw it from your heart. But the first step is doing something intentional to make sure it's there, to make sure that mercy and truth are well written, well inscribed, well downloaded into your tablet. And once you know it's in there, you don't have to have any concern about whether it's going to come out or not because you know what's in there will come out. When when the computer age first got started, and, and some of you around that time might remember the common phrase, garbage in, garbage out. But in this case here, you put mercy and truth in there. Mercy and truth's coming out. Hallelujah. And this is so important. So you speak the word intentionally. You can deposit that word in your heart. And then when that is in your heart in abundance, then you just go ahead and speak freely. And what's going to come out? What's in there? What's in there in abundance? And if mercy and truth is in there in abundance, then you don't have to worry about what you're speaking because you already took the first step. If I make sure that it's in there, if I make sure it's abundantly in there, if I make sure that I've downloaded it in there, and rather than just use my tongue as the withdrawal slip, use my tongue as the deposit slip to get it in there. Out of the mouth, into the ears, into the heart. Out of the mouth, into the ears, into the heart. Out of the mouth, into the ears, into the heart. Then when your heart gets squeezed, out of the heart, into the mouth, out of the mouth is what was in the heart. You got it? Hallelujah. God wants you to go after him with all your heart. God's not looking for you to go ahead and play patty cake with him. God does not want to date you. He don't want you to be your date. You're, 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 you're somebody that you, you just go and, you know, have dinner with every now and then. No, God's into a serious relationship here. And what he's telling us to do is to go after him with all of our heart, to turn to him with all of our heart, to praise him with our whole heart. Or as Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. All of it. All of it. Now, one thing that, that really shed some light on this is that uh, the, the, one of the very main ways uh, that the word pure, the Hebrew word, is used in the Bible. Of course, you know, the first time you see it is you see it in regards to the uh, clean animals that God instructed Noah to take on the ark with him in Genesis. But then when you get to the book of Exodus, you see the, the use of the, the term pure in relation to gold. Pure gold. You see that uh, at, at least 24 references 
to pure gold in the book of Exodus. And it's interesting because how does gold get pure? Gold's got to go through the fire so that anything that's not pure gets burned out so that anything that's left is pure. And Jesus was described by John the Baptist as the one who would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So that the fire can burn us gold nuggets. And burn out anything that's impure so that what's left is nothing but pure. And when you think about going after God with all your heart, think about that. But don't be afraid of the fire. Don't be afraid of the fire. Welcome that fire. That fire is not looking to burn anything you want to keep. What the fire will do is burn anything that ain't worth keeping to begin with. The thing is, is that human reasoning, apart from the wisdom of God, doesn't always have enough sense to determine what's worth keeping and what's worth throwing in the fire. But when you trust God and when you submit to God, if God calls something worthy of keeping, then it's worthy of keeping. Or if God said, that just need to pass through the fire just to go ahead and get cleaned up a little bit more, then all right, we can do that. And some things, it's not a matter of getting passed through the fire. Some things just need to get fried. Some things just need to get burned up. And this is not just something that we look at in terms of our own life, but even in the day we stand before him, uh, the, the scripture talks about the test of fire. And says that people that have wood, hay, and stubble, and that's all they got, that's gone in a hurry. But people that go with gold, silver, and precious stones, they're left with something when they stand before him. And thank God, I'll tell you, I, I want to have that in my heart and in my way of thinking ahead of time. I don't want to be thinking about that on judgment day. It's a little bit too late then. You can do something that affects your heart in a positive way regarding your, your decisions, regarding the direction of your life, the, the way you're going, regarding the tightness and the rightness of your relationship with God. You know, I mean, God loves you. God will love you if you're crazy. You'll be crazy and God will love you. But your head's going to hurt when you keep on hitting brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. That's why wisdom is crying in the streets today and saying, hey, I can do you a favor. I can save you a hurting head if you listen to me. Rather than keep on going down the same road of madness and get the same maddening results. You can go ahead and have a heart that is the start of a right road with God. And as long as you keep that heart in focus with him, with his will, with his desire for you, 
you will start right, you will go along right, and you will end right. And if you realize that about halfway there, you got off track, the heart is adjustable, like we said, and you can go ahead and make that adjustment. The heart is adjustable. You can get it back on track. Even if you went the totally wrong direction, what did, uh, we, we talked about Simon the sorcerer. What did Peter say to him? Repent. His heart wasn't right. Repent. Turn the car around. Go in the right direction. And then you can go ahead and go from having a heart that got off to a heart that is back on with God. But what we're talking about today is maintaining it. And that's so important, maintaining it. Because if you maintain it, then, then you can keep on going and stay steady. Rather than, you know, go a little bit and then, uh, you know, all right, uh, we, we just did something totally crazy and now we're back on track and then we did another thing that's totally crazy. Here, here's the thing. God wants to help us minimize the crazy and maximize the wisdom. Minimize the bad decisions. Maximize the right decisions. Glory to God. So you see, here's the thing. There's enough hills and valleys in life based on the fact that you got to deal with someone called the, the God of this world, the devil. And then also you got other crazy people in the world who are making decisions that can sometimes have an impact on you. But the thing is, is that you got to be in a position where, yeah, I I still need to go ahead and uh, resist the devil. I know that. And and I still need to navigate around some other uh, people's decisions sometimes. But but I don't want to self-sabotage. I don't want to go ahead and mess with myself, put myself in a position where it's my own stinking thinking and my own lack of obedience that's messing with my life. I got enough to deal with already. I don't need that. Praise the Lord. God's talking to somebody today. So let's just hit some highlights of things you can do to keep, maintain a pure heart before God. Put God's word inside of you. We talked about that already when we talked about Right and mercy and truth on the tablet of your heart. But, but I want to emphasize this again. And one reason why is because God's word itself is pure. So when you're putting the word in you, you're putting something pure inside of you. And a pure word inside of you helps to purify your heart. Psalm 12, verse 6. Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver, tried tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Of course, the number seven in scripture, symbolic of completion, purified until completion. You know, the, the, the Bible talks in Hebrews about the word being a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Why is it important to regularly read the word? What does that do for your heart? When you regularly get into the word, it's not just the word uh, being read by you. It's actually the word reading you. Because the scripture says that the word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. 
And one of the best ways to find out if some of your thoughts and intentions are not right is to get into the word and just keep on putting it in, keep on putting it in there. And then you got that big spotlight on you that says, what about this? The word reads you. Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. So there's something about the word that can help you stay clean. As a matter of fact, a few verses after that, the the psalmist actually said, I have hid your word in my heart so that I would not sin against you. So there's something with a purifying uh, quality about the word that when you put pure word in your heart, it keeps your heart pure. Another thing you can do to maintain a pure heart is keep your heart free from mixture. Mixture. That's uh, a little bit of God and a little bit of something else. You know, that, that's a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a little bit of love, enough to go ahead and smile at people. But uh, underneath that smile, I'm still saying, Keep your heart free from mixture. See, Paul had some concern about the people uh, uh, in Corinth that their minds would be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. So he wanted to go ahead and keep things simple, keep things straight. He didn't want them to get to a point where they had things coming in that would corrupt or would get mixed in. You, you don't want uh, 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 foreign objects getting mixed in here. You, you don't want uh, other things besides the pure word of God and the pure ways of God and the pure spirit of God getting mixed in here. You can't have mixture. The, the, the way to have a pure heart is that if it don't pass the test of purity, it's not allowed entrance in. God grant us discernment. James 4 and verse 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded, that's mixture. That that can be somebody who has, uh, on on one end they're saying, oh, I believe God's going to get me through this situation. And then they say, oh God, what am I going to do? That's double-mindedness. That's mixture. Or somebody that says, glory to God, I'm going to go ahead and do the right thing. Uh, you know, I got old uh, Becky or Jenny or Shaniqua or any name you want to pick. And I'm staying away from her. I know she's bad news. Oh, Lord, I'll stay away from her. And when one mouth, one time your mouth saying I'm staying away from her, but then as you're saying you're staying away from her, you're walking towards her. You know what that's called? That's called double-mindedness. That's called mixture. And to use another word, that's called insanity. 
the book of Proverbs. Just read the book of Proverbs. He said, you go down the road to her house, you're going down the road to death. I mean, that, that, the book of Proverbs uses strong words to keep young men, young ladies, old men, old ladies, in between. Am I allowed to say old or is that? Well, I said it anyway, so there it is. <laughs> Wherever you find yourself. Whatever your number is of age, be wise and don't allow mixture. Psalm 86, 11 in the NIV says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Undivided. What does that mean? Once again, no mixture. Not, not a little bit of truth in there and a little bit of my ideas and somebody else's ideas. Because there was a lot of ideas out there. And just well-meaning people want to say, well, let me tell you what I think about that. What does the word say? Well-meaning people can have some things to say. But the, the filter of what goes in your heart always has to be, what does the word say? Maintain purity because it affects your ability to see. It affects your ability to see. Psalm 19 verse 8 says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Why are you told to put the word in you and put the word in you? Because the word itself is pure. And when you get the pure word into your heart to make your heart pure, it positively impacts your vision. It enlightens your eyes so that you can see things clearly so that you can see things as God sees them, because he's got better than 2020, let me tell you. And if you want to see things clearly and see things according to what's right and what's accurate, you want to see things this way. How about the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I want to submit this to you today. This is not just meaning that you'll see God once you leave planet Earth. But I want you to know that if you've got a pure heart, you can see God at work in your life while you're still traveling your road here on planet Earth. Come on, praise the Lord, somebody. And why is this so important? Because if you're not paying attention to your heart, if you're just trying to go ahead and kind of pretty up the outside, but not paying attention to the part of you that God prioritizes, then consider what happened when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and identified them as blind Pharisees who first cleansed the... Uh, uh, the, the, he, the, they were cleaning the outside of the cup, but not the inside. Jesus said, you blind Pharisees need to first cleanse the inside of the cup, that the outside of the cup can be clean as well. So once again, that goes back to what we said at the beginning. Taking care of the internal, 
not just the external. Being internally minded. Because by being internally minded, you're being eternally minded. By being internally minded, you're not just go ahead and, and, and putting up uh, siding on the wall of your house to cover the holes that the termites made and the termites are still in there doing their thing. No, you deal with things internally. And then by so doing, you're dealing with things eternally. And also remember this, that by dealing with things internally, you're dealing, uh, you're, you're dealing with God's priorities. And we need to prioritize what God prioritizes. We need to make a, a big deal out of what God makes a big deal out of. If God talks a lot about something, we ought to talk about it a lot. If he talks a little bit about something, you can talk a little bit about it. But you emphasize what he emphasizes. You prioritize what he prioritizes. And why? I mean, we say this so often, and it's so simple, but we haven't got it yet. He is right about everything. He's not the person who thinks they're right about everything. Yeah, we got those. Oh, Lord. No, he really is. He really is right about everything. We got several things we can do here before we close today. But you know what? Why don't I just go ahead and wind up right here? Maintain a pure mind. Because when you're talking about maintaining a pure heart before God, uh, well, one of the ways that the, uh, the, that Hebrew word uh, what the, is translated and the, the emphasis of it is regarding your will and your intellect, those are aspects of your soul or your mind. So when you are maintaining a pure mind, you're maintaining a pure heart because things go through your mind on the way to your heart. As a matter of fact, you can go ahead and uh, Pastor John has used the example before of, of you know, not that your, your brain and your mind are the same thing, but kind of pointing to the head is the mind and, and pointing down here into the very center of you is your heart. And it talks about when something drops 18 inches from your mind into your heart, you've heard Pastor John, if you've been around for a while, you've heard him use that illustration. But, but this is so important because you know that the number one way the enemy is going to want to mess with you is to mess with your mind. The number one way he's going to want to mess with you is through your mind. So that's why we need to be on guard. And let's look at what uh, has been called the invitation list. You know that there's an invitation list for your mind? The kind of thoughts that are invited to the party? Hey, did you know that? And it's right in your Bible. Did you know that? There's an invitation list of who's allowed to come to the party in your mind. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, 
Whatever things are noble. Whatever things are just. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's the invitation list to your mind. And I want to highlight one particular invitee. Whatever things are pure. And so, you, as a child of God, are granted the opportunity to actually be the bouncer at the door of your mind. Hey, with invitation lists in hand, Philippians 4, 8, and thoughts come and say, I'm here for the party. We're going to party. And you look at the list. And if that person trying to get into the party is not on the list, it's time for you to work your big guns, Mr. Bouncer or Miss Bouncer, and send that thought that's trying to get into the party down the street, somewhere else. You're not on the list, so you're not getting in. And it is a priority of mine before God to make sure that I'm only letting people in the party that are invited to the party. And when you do that, you're going to have only things that are pure in your mind because you had something come knock on the door wanted to get in, but no, 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 you're not on the list. So remember this. Just because you are being tempted to think something does not mean that you're actually thinking it. That's very important. And we're, we're wrapping up. I'm closing my notebook. We're done. But I want to wrap up this thought with you. That, that when, when something comes to you, trying to get in, that's not you thinking it. It's presenting itself to you. It's trying to get in. It wants you to think on it. It wants you to dwell on it. It wants you to invite him in to the party. But that's the point where you can say, no. You can come here looking good, smelling good, talking a good talk, but I clearly identify you as not being on the list. You are not getting in. You have that opportunity. You have that decision to make. And when you make that decision, glory to God forever. What you have just done is you have saved yourself so many years of problems. You've just you've saved yourself. You can't even know how many issues you've saved. Imagine if somebody dealt with unforgiveness the first time it came in. Then rather than being bound to it for all these years and having something in the pit of their stomach every time they saw that person, they could have been free from it a long time ago. Imagine if uh, uh, someone would have resisted pornography the first time it came by. It would have been a whole lot easier to keep it out to begin with than to let it in and then try to get it out. 
So God wants to show us today that preventive maintenance is the way to go. Preventive maintenance. Rather than trying to fix something after it's been messed up, you can use preventive maintenance with the wisdom of God to maintain a pure heart before God. Let the church say amen. Hallelujah. If you're here today, if you're here by live stream and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you don't need to wait another moment. If you feel God tugging on your heart today, this is absolutely your day. And I don't want you to hesitate or wait another moment. If you're here in the house today, I want you to go ahead and uh, 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 if, if you're here in the house today, I want you to come and stand here with me. Don't always do this, but I, I feel in my heart that uh, if you're here today and, and, and you know that you need Jesus, you need to come see me. If you're watching by live stream, I want you to pray this, pray this right now, mean it with all your heart. Are you ready? Congregation, let's pray this together. In Jesus' name, I believe that God so loved me that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for me. I believe Jesus died for me. He shed his blood for me. And then three days later, he was raised from the dead. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And today, I repent. I make a U-turn. I'm not going the way I used to go. I'm now following you. And I commit to follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life. Thank you for your gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm still going to go ahead and be here for anybody that prayed that prayer for the first time that would like to come and talk to me. If you prayed that for the first time, those watching my live stream, please contact us. You can call the office. We're here tomorrow morning, 508-336-4110. Please let us know what happened to you. Because we've got something we want to send to you, and we want to be part of your journey going forward. But I want to do, we're not closing with a song today. What we're going to do, we're going to close with a confession of our faith to seal the deal on what God has spoken to our hearts today. What are you saying with me? In Jesus' name. Say it with me. In Jesus' name. I believe. That I am a child of God. And that I have the opportunity to maintain a pure heart before God. To guard my heart. To guard my heart against envy. To guard my heart against ill will. To guard my heart against unforgiveness to guard my heart 
against impurity of any kind. And with the help of God, I declare right now that I'm going to be a good bouncer. And I am not allowing any thoughts into my mind unless it's on the list. Unless it's on the invitation list. It's not coming in here. With your help, Lord, we're going to do this and we're going to maintain a pure heart before you until the day we see you face to face. Praise the Lord with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you all. God's blessings to you. Don't forget Wednesday night and next Sunday morning. Have a blessed Sunday. Enjoy. God bless.